welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 4, Episode 14, which is titled Family Practice. The episode aired on February 5th, 1998. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? For the first time since the 1994 attack that left Nancy Kerrigan unable to compete in the 1994 U.S. Figure Skating Championship, both Kerrigan and Tanya Harding sit down for a pre-recorded interview together on Fox. Both women expressed a desire to put the event behind them and wished each other well. Great Expectations, a modern reimagining of Charles Dickens' classic novel starring Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow, debuts to mixed reviews and a second-place spot at the box office. Titanic keeps the crown for yet another week, earning $25.9 million versus the former's $9.5 million. I'm going to keep spotlighting this because it's ridiculous <laughs> just how much it holds on to the box office crown for so yeah, long. Yeah, and not even it's, that it's continuing to hold the top spot, but the money doesn't seem to be going down. Like, exactly. They're at $25 million plus every single week. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, we're like a month and a half out from when it debuted. And it's still, yeah. And Together Again by Janet Jackson is this week's number one song. And for what else was on television that evening at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Joey's Dirty Day. At 8.30 p.m., after only one week, Just Shoot Me has been bumped out of position with Frasier, a show that we have not talked about, I don't think, in the Thursday night lineup. I think we will be talking about it in the future because if memory serves me correct, Frasier will take over the Seinfeld slot once Seinfeld goes off the air uh, at the end of, I believe, this season? Or is it next season? When does Seinfeld go off the air? Is it 98 or 99? I think 98. So it might be at the end of this season, Frasier will be taking over the Seinfeld time slot. Uh, so, uh, But it was a repeat, so it wasn't even a, a new episode, so not really much to note there. But we'll, like I said, we'll see Frasier more once Seinfeld is done. Speaking of Seinfeld, at 9 p.m. they had the episode The Strong Box, and at 9.30 p.m. Veronica's Closet with the episode Veronica's $600,000 Pop. I don't know anything about Veronica's Closet as a show, but they have some very creative, uh, very, like, interest-peaking type of episode titles. Like, I was say, this woman, this woman seems to lead a pretty enchanted life based on yeah. the episode titles alone. Uh, this week's episode had 31.8 million viewers tuning in down just slightly from last week's episode. This week's episode is directed by Charles Hayde, doing his fourth out of seven episodes. Uh, previous one of his from this season was Think Warm Thoughts. And this week's episode is written by Carol Flint, doing her 10th out of 15. And previous one of hers from this season was the live episode, Ambush. And previously on is brought to us by Mark this week. And we start off with an airplane landing in a San Diego terminal from Chicago. And Mark walks out in full goatee. It's back. <laughs> it is officially, Why? officially back. Um, his dad is there to pick him up. And he said, oh, we got to wait a second because your friend is here, too. It's a prize. Cynthia got on the flight behind him without telling Mark. It's a capital Y. Yikes. There. And they mm. lost her bags. And she, Mark's like, well, what about what about work? And she goes, oh, I left a message for Carrie Weaver regarding the time off. <laughs> I'm sure that it's, went over it's well. Probably, it's probably yeah. fine to just bail. How, uh, how jarring was it to see all of the people waiting at the gate? to welcome the plane in and like hug people as they got off the plane. That was so fucking weird. And what uh, a post in, I think the main ER group reminded me of this, how, again, how long this show goes on. There is a scene much later on down the road. I think talking like season 14, 15, where somebody's going to stop somebody else from getting on a plane and has to buy a ticket Yep. To go to the gate and stop that from happening. Yep. Carter. To go from here to there is just, yep. like, insane. Carter has to buy a ticket because he's trying to stop uh, Cam from going back to Maybe that's France what it was. Or something. I think that's where she's going. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that in, like, 2025. <laughs> but uh, for now, let's get back here. Uh, we They are going to Naval Hospital to visit Mark's mom, Ruth. Uh, Mark's mom is definitely not herself. Uh, she's pretty loopy. She's just trying to can-can with her broken leg in the, in the traction brace that they've got set up for her. Um, turns out she has a neurologist helping her out here, too. Um, and she and because this is the first time she's met Cynthia, uh, 
she's in her in her loopy stage she was like his first wife had a real sour streak so <laughs> never shit. miss an opportunity to shit on jennifer I green was gonna say shit yeah. talking jen already yeah and the after they a bunch of a parade of nonsense statements and words and afterwards mark is stopped talking to the neuro and he's and the neuro guy says your mother's heavily medicated and mark says that's not my mother yikes yikes and that brings us straight into the intro with more bangs 14 for 14 on bangs this season and as we come out of the intro mark is very concerned that his mother uh, hit her head when she fell she she broke her leg falling off of a stool a uh, step stool at home so he's worried that possibly she hit her head when she fell and that's the the reason for all of these uh, neurological issues here. Uh, so he's determined to figure out why she's so out of sorts. And Cynthia the whole time is just like trying to, she's trying to be helpful, but because it's Cynthia and because we've developed such an aversion to her, just kind of fundamentally, we're like, please stop talking. Just please. Which I feel I was so disappointed by the end of this episode because I realized that I was wrong and that this is not Cynthia's final appearance we have yeah. one more How dare appearance you. from the corrections department yeah from the corrections department she will actually be making one final appearance not next episode in 15 but in the one after 16 so we got one more bit of cynthia to get through after this okay this we're going right into the next cringeworthy cynthia moment so mark is laying in bed by himself and cynthia comes in after her shower and gross she's like oh you don't mind me being here and you don't mind me wearing your mom's bathrobe <laughs> uh, uh, just no. I don't know why that just paging Doctor Oedipus. That just rubbed me so the wrong way. Um, and then she's like, "Well, if it bothers you, I can take it off. Make it worse, dear God." Um, and she's like, "Oh, you know, you you seem like you're really tense. Roll over, and I'll do your back." So again, we're back with Cynthia's great back massages, <laughs> and she starts talking about how this was Mark's childhood teenage bed and his awkward teenage fantasies about the neighbor girl and she tries to seduce mark and like takes the robe off and is all up on him and then suddenly they are interrupted by his dad's extreme coughing that they can hear through the walls and it's just like there's so much just nope 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 (laughs) don't like that nope thankfully we don't have any have to watch any more of that nonsense because we go into the next scene which is uh dot with a which is uh mark and is his dad with them i forget mm-hmm. yeah yeah mark and his dad uh running into dr sayers the ne- the chief of neurology at the hospital that his that mark's mom is at uh the coffee cart and they order really bougie coffees and mark judges them so strange to have mark be the like dissenting voice of toxic masculinity there of like well and i love how the neurologist is like you know we may be a naval base but this is still california yeah like you would think mark's dad would be the one who would be all like "Mm, latte you know but he totally is like he's like yeah i'll have one yeah i'll have a latte yeah (laughs) so such a strange juxtaposition i mean lattes are fucking delicious no yeah i'm i'm all for it i just it was it was funny that you know it was kind of a subverting the expectations a little bit. You'd expect that, you know, one of these military guys would be the one to be all kind of uptight and kaji. And instead, it's our, our favorite bald doctor. Uh, but our, our doctor uh, neurologist here, Dr. Sayers, he is a definite, oh, hey, it's that guy for me, uh, actor by the name of Holmes Osborne, who appeared in stuff like Donnie Darko, Southland Tales, Identity. And the thing I remember him from is one of my favorite 90s movies, That Thing You Do. He plays the main character's dad. Uh, but Mark wants to be present for his mom's neurological exam and MRI, and they all have to stop. Now, okay, is the, I'm assuming this is an actual military thing i don't know i've never been on a military base i've never been in the military obviously but they all have to stop like everyone oh, stops yeah. what they're doing that is and a legit for- thing okay that yeah. is a- if you are outside like if you are outside if you're inside of a building you're covered like you are it's it's very like um kids on a playground with like freeze tag kind of thing like you yeah if, if you're on a military usually it happens i guess this would have been like at like nine in the morning that kind of thing eight nine in the morning so it's when they put the flag up and when they take the flag down uh if you're inside of a building you're covered you don't have to stop and do anything but if you are outside you must stop stand at attention and salute in the direction of wherever the flag is 
And so you will see at like 459 or whatever, you will see little airmen running into the nearest building so that they don't have to stand there and do the whole thing for like however long it takes them to take the flag down. So yeah, no, that was very much a real thing. Yeah, so that happens. And then what happens next? So then we go from there, we see the actual MRI. Uh, Dad apparently went through the trouble of accompanying him to the base and then immediately turned around and went back home. Uh, to go work on mom's uh, wheelchair ramp and as they're starting the MRI which they tell her it's going to take about half an hour and it's really only 30 seconds in that she starts to panic and starts to freak out uh, and she starts screaming to be let out of the machine Mark goes in gets her out and she's you know screaming and is like what's wrong with me I'm, I'm feeling all like it's just it's this really uncomfortable scene where Mark has to it's basically role reversal. You know, Mark has to play the parent there where he has to soothe her and has to, you know, keep her calm. And it's kind of the theme of this whole episode, really. And it's it's tough to watch. So after that all happens, um, we're going back home. Mark goes back home and has a little chat with his dad. How's that ramp coming? Taking a break. What'd the doctor say? Just presumptive diagnosis. Doctor's best guess. Her symptoms present like a deep tissue disease in the frontal lobe of the brain. MRI and second CT don't indicate stroke or injury. Sayers is thinking uh, multi-infarct dementia. What's that? Small infarcts, too small to detect in the brain tissue. Could manifest as disinhibition. Fits with her history of hypertension. Can you uh, explain that in English? What's an infarct? <clears throat> series of very small strokes. What can they do about it? Not much. Take a wait and see approach. You still box? No. You always had the footwork for it. I hated the whole thing. You made that clear. What do you think about this wait and see for your mother? I think the whole thing stinks. Not great, friends. Mark and his dad. Name a more iconic duo. And, like, so dad's out here having this smoke break. Mark has been at the hospital, and now he's back. Where the hell is Cynthia during this? I just want to point that out. Gone back to her home planet, hopefully. Um, but then from there, we have the phone is ringing, and dad's not answering. Um, Mark's yelling to pick it up. So Mark goes and answers it in the kitchen. And it's a call about one of his mom's appointments that will have to be rescheduled. Um, because it turns out she's got standing appointments at 2 p.m. every Thursday, but her, um, Mark's dad doesn't know what it is, or at least he says he doesn't. He's like, could be a women's group, like the sewing circle, whatever. He has no freaking clue. Um, and then Mark's like, how do you not know? Like, she's your wife, blah, blah, blah. They start bickering. And Cynthia comes in and is like, I got stuff for breakfast. Yay! Dad bails because he's pissed off at Mark. And Mark goes, I didn't start that. Cynthia's like, well, he was in a good mood before. Imagine talking to your spouse about what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Mark's dad is real old school here and not, yeah. in, a, not in a good way. Like, he has, no, he has like zero interest base. It's not even that he's like being kept in the dark on purpose with this stuff. I think it's literally just that he doesn't care. Like, it's that he's... He has yeah. no, it, that's her problem. Like, not interested. Yeah. Yeah, and Cynthia seems very eager to uh, get Mark's dad's approval. And so she seems to, like, take his side on things more frequently than Mark. Like, she seems to, like, treat Mark like he's the issue and he's the problem and he's the reason why they don't communicate well. Uh, but we go from there back to the hospital where they're doing a neuro exam on Mark's mother. She is asked to recall three items uh, that the doctor lists for her, and she cannot remember. 
And uh, the actress here, uh, Bonnie Bartlett, she's doing an amazing job uh, kind of conveying this. Uh, and just, it, it's a very accurate, I mean, obviously, I don't have a ton of firsthand experience with dementia myself. I've seen it. I mean, I had a grandmother who went through it, um, but that was many, many years ago. So, but hearing it from other people, this is very kind of accurate of the experience. Um, and then we get a little bit of insight into like kind of the clouds part a little bit and we get, maybe she lets a little bit of the darkness out into the world, uh, where she says, you know, it's always the mother's fault, even if she doesn't want to have children in the first place yikes yeah because is this the part where it's the people in um, glass houses shouldn't throw bricks right yeah, yeah. she's she's yeah, asked this... to define that statement yeah or asked to like explain what it means because it's such a common idiom mm -hmm. and yeah no having had a father that went through this for 10 years his was full-blown alzheimer's but yeah no this tracks yeah same with my grandma not great fam nope very few people i would wish this on I don't wish this on anybody. No, yeah. ever. It's a fate worse than death. I do not. I do not wish this upon anyone. Today we learn. Lauren's a better person than I am. <laughs> we learned. I thought we knew that. No, we remembered. Yes, we love are you. reminded. I love you, dear. I love you too. What happens next? Uh, Mark goes into the research room, the hospital. He's looking for. Uh, he's researching neuro conditions because you know, he knows about stuff, but he's not like neurology specific. He's. He's a he's a all per, a jack of all trades doctor because in, in the R, um, so he's just trying to figure out like what get into the nitty gritty details of like what could be causing his mom's dementia, what could be any possible any possible solutions. He's grasping at straws. Yeah. So I'm telling that's what I'm saying here, folks. Yeah. Uh, but in the next scene, he goes out to lay under the stars instead of in bed. And did anyone catch that uh, in that scene there where he's laying out under the stars, the real 10 PM gross conversation that they're having there. Yeah. That was uh, a, that was a real uh, like primetime television, 10 PM conversation that if you're not paying attention, doesn't sound like anything, but he basically apologizes for nutting before she did. <laughs> like, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that too. He, yeah. It's one of those things where he goes like, he goes like, sorry, I was a little bit ahead of you. Or something like that. And she goes like, no, it's fine. It doesn't always have to be about me. Like, they have a full conversation about, like, him apologizing for nutting before she does. It was, I was like, really? We're doing this? I was like, I know it's 10 p.m., but it's still network television. I totally, because I wasn't, I guess I wasn't fucking listening that closely. Because, like, I thought he was just apologizing for not being in the room with her. Uh -oh. And that's when she says, sorry, it doesn't have to be about me. Thanks, because this makes this whole thing even weirder, Daniel. Yep, it sure does. How did how did we miss that? We had a whole con a whole five minute conversation about a goddamn bowl, <laughs> shaped not like a the penis. The people have spoken. And now we how did I miss? Hashtag that? penis bowl. We're, we're in a post. We're in a post penis bowl world here. Nope. Anyway, so what happened? So what does get said aside from? the premature ejaculation conversation well they're still talking about uh cynthia says i would like to thank i would like to thank both of your parents for raising a son who's such a good lover bah. why bah. <laughs> and, Mar and mark says he's a magnet for needy people which pisses cynthia the fuck off he's not wrong though yeah he's not he's Again. not wrong much like his mom a few minutes ago like he's letting the darkness out into the world just a little bit like he spoke yeah. he spoke his truth to too freely he said the quiet part out loud yeah um but then from there we go back to the hospital and ruth is getting a lumbar puncture to rule out encephalitis mark is really pushing to get tests done as soon as possible to rule out any other aggressive illnesses and he wants a second opinion from a civilian doctor not from the military hospital yeah. also this is why we don't have family members helped with treatment generally i mean I understand, yes, he's a well-respected doctor, but, like... Yeah, this is kind of a special case, but generally, yes, you're right. And then we're uh, just kind of rolling along here. Uh, let's bring it to a screeching halt with our, probably our longest, longest audio clip ever. Um, <laughs> it's, bear with us. It's about three and a half minutes. I couldn't find any good spot to, like, cut it off because you need the first part for the second part to really sort of make sense. Um, so... A little bit, a little bit longer, but we're uh, headed to the to the fabled club that his dad attends, um, and Mark and Cynthia are waiting for Mark's dad at that place. She's been seeing this shrink for a month. What for? Guy wouldn't tell me without a release. 
I'm gonna meet with him at the hospital tomorrow. Uh, sorry, son. You a retired naval officer? Uh, no, my father is. We're meeting him here. I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to leave. Give me a break. It's club night. You need to be in the company of a retired officer. Well, he's on his way. He must be running a little late. And you'll have to wait for him if you want to be seated. You're wrong, pal. We're seated. I'll have a draft and a margarita. You got it. And what are you buying me? I beg your pardon? You're as stubborn as your old man. Don't tell me you're as cheap as he is, too. Admiral J. Jackson, retired. And you better be Dave Green's son, or I just got myself into a hornet's nest. That's right. Mark Green. This is Cynthia Hooper. How do you do? Hey, your dad just called to say he'd be late. So, what are you drinking? Uh, not a drop more. I'm late for dinner, as it is. Pleased to see you again, though. We met your senior year. You were considering Annapolis. My dad was considering Annapolis. Well, can't blame your old man for trying. Turn down a flag billet for your family. You don't mind seeing your son make the grade? What's a flag billet? Admiral. His dad was in line, middle of his command tour. He took himself out of the running. Why? Didn't he want to be Admiral? Long story. Put their drinks on my tab. Are you sure you don't want to stay? Admiral Jay, nice to see you, sir. Uh, sorry I have to run. I could relive the Korean conflict for you young folks. How's Ruth? She'll be home tomorrow. She will? That's what I said. Uh, Lucy and I will drop by when she's feeling better. Nice seeing you, meeting you. Same here. What can I get you, Dad? Not a thing. Something wrong? Why'd you say Mom was coming home? She's had her last test. No, she hasn't. Yes, she has, Mark. Syphilis. What? You had your mother tested for syphilis? Did the results come back? No. I stopped the whole damn thing. Whatever gave you the idea? I'm looking for an explanation. What the hell do you think of your mother? The symptoms fit. What the hell do you think of me? Settle down, Dad. Why don't you use your inhaler? Is your oxygen in the car? Damn nerve. If the test is so unthinkable, what's your fear? You're accusing me? No, he didn't mean it like that. You need a diagnosis. You need someone to blame, like always. Oh, take it easy, Dad. Don't you patronize me. There's no, no need for you to meddle. Should I get your oxygen? Insult your mother. Okay, great. Go back to Chicago and leave us alone. I mean, she's going home. Good, then I'll just tell that psychiatrist that she's been secretly seeing to not bother coming to the hospital. What, what the hell are you talking about? She's what you... going to a shrink, not a sewing circle every Thursday. Now, why would she be doing Mark, that? Mark, come huh? on. Or is that me meddling, huh? Making come too much on, trouble. Mark. When her life with you is so picture perfect. All right, Dad. Take a breath. Take take a breath. Where's your albuterol? Shall I get the oxygen? Yes, go. He's not breathing. Let's just get him down on the ground. Call 911 for it. Right, let him down easy. Uh, thanks again for talking to me about your problems. So we don't end up with this shit. Yeah. Communication and relationships is great, gang. Yeah. Y'all yeah. should try it. Mark has kind of a shitty attitude towards her seeing a psychiatrist, too. Like, like he, he's sort of like... Oh, she's going to see a shrink. That means her life is terrible. Like, right. eh, that's not exactly the take home message there. But I no. think because his most recent experience with a psychiatrist was after something absolutely terrible happened to him. Maybe. So it kind of has that negative connotation, maybe sort of built in. That's my, that was my take on it. Sure. And that's a, it's a reasonable one. Also, can we, Matt, can we imagine Mark in a military uniform? No. I'm sure uh, yeah. there are some of our <laughs> listeners who are incredibly thirsty for that image, I mean, but I can't. I mean, I, we, I guess you could picture him in a flight suit because of Top Gun, but... That's that's fair. But not a Navy, uh, not the kind of stuff they wear in Annapolis, that's for sure. No. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if he was going to follow in his dad's footsteps... Speaking of, would, of the Navy, Navy, let's talk about Admiral Jackson there from the first half of that uh, nice. long clip. Uh First of all, I like him because he talks like an old-timey prospector. Like, right? That's the most, like, back in Korea. Like, I just want to hang out with him, like, all day. He, he sounds great. He, yeah, he had just a very kind of nice nice flow to the way he talked. Uh, and he was played by actor Robert Simmons, who appeared in stuff like the movie The Exorcist, Catch Me If You Can, and Justice For All. 
and primary colors. And unfortunately, uh, Robert did pass away in 2007. But based on his age in this episode, you probably could have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, but as we heard at the end of that clip there, uh, Mark's dad has starts having a medical emergency, starts having trouble breathing. So they eventually have to take him to the ER, um, where it's ultimately determined that he suffered essentially what amounts to an asthma attack. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it part of like his emphysema? Yeah, related to his emphysema. Uh, so they're basically he's fine, but they're going to keep him uh, in the ER for a few hours just for observation. Uh, and Mark took Cynthia home to sleep. So she's not around. Um, and he makes sure that Mark knows that uh, his mother is not to be bothered with this information. So keep this on the down low. But he does make the concession that go ahead and draw her blood because you need to know. So. They're all doing such heavy lifting in this episode, and I love it. Yeah, they really are, and it's like it's it's very uh, evenly distributed. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not one side or the other really pulling all the weight. They're kind of doing it in their own ways, in their own time. It's, right, it's good. Um, but then we have a little chat with Ruth's psychiatrist, and we find out that he was treating Ruth's depression with Paxil, not aware of her hypertension because. Mark thought that with the dementia that it might have been a series of mini strokes that caused this. But he, the psychiatrist also says that he agrees with the neurologist's original diagnosis. So, interesting. And then I love how he's like, no, your mom told me I could release everything. You can, you can know anything, she, anything that she's told me. And Mark's like, no, I think if I want to know about my mom's depression, I'll talk to her about it. And the guy goes, well, be careful. In her current condition, she just might tell you. Hey. Yikes. And then after that, we have Mark is running down the street covered with sweat. <laughs> the strangest <laughs> sweat patterns imaginable. It's a little bit, yeah. Cynthia pops out and says that Dr. Hemmings called to push up their meeting. And this is Mark's old friend from med school who was also the civilian neurologist that he wanted to get the consult from. And Cynthia is all passive aggressive about if she's invited along or not because it's another woman. This might open up a little bit of a storyline anachronism of, I mean, obviously people can move around and there are coincidences and there are conveniences and everything. But if this is Mark's friend from medical school and she's still local to the San Diego area, that to me sort of lends the assumption that they they probably went to medical school in the San Diego area. But if you'll remember from the pilot, uh, Mark Green and Peter Benton were also med school classmates. So unless Benton mm-hmm. went to med school in San Diego or all three Unlikely. or all three of them went to med school in the Chicago area, then this would create a little bit of an anachronism. But good catch. I don't know. But uh, let's listen into that meeting there. Uh, Mark is meeting Dr. Hemmings at a park. Guys, take turns. You're both going to get a timeout. Thank you, Josh. They say girls are more mellow. Please confirm that. Don't ask me. We have Rachel. Uh, not full time. I remember when Rachel was born. We were third year. I was so envious of you and Jen. You? You were the most driven student in class. Yeah, but you were the most together. You knew you wanted a family and you went for it. Now you've lapped me. <laughs> Twice. If I'd known you were on maternity leave, I wouldn't have called. It's my pleasure. I was a little taken aback when I found out that your mom's a patient of Andrew Sayers. He's hot stuff. Getting a national reputation. I haven't been that wowed. You know, I'm really surprised that you like. Josh, no, please, we don't throw sand. I thought the ER would be a brief detour. I thought for sure you'd end up in family practice. Really? Was that boring, huh? No, I didn't think that. We were 25. I was busy showing how independent I was, and you were determined to be the good family man. Now here I am, and you're a cowboy. Well, I still haven't given up on the idea of having a family. Yeah, Cynthia sounded sweet. Still know how to cut to the (laughs) quick, don't you? You want to hear about your mom? Do I? Your mom may not fully return to the way she was. That's going to take some getting used to. Uh, yikes. 
First off, I want to say anybody who's calling Mark Green a cowboy does not know Mark Green. <laughs> Second off, uh, I love how passive aggressively she's like, she sounded sweet. I know. Perfectly summing up the like polite, the polite summation of Cynthia Hooper, the character. She's sweet. Also, having had this realization myself about my grandma, like, oh, she's just, she's never going to be the same. Yeah, the, the physical being is still there, but the person you knew is gone is, yeah. that's a tough thing. To, or leaving, or yeah. slipping away. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough thing to come to terms with. Especially when you're 12. Yeah. It's a little easier at 18. Yeah. I think I was, give you that. I'm trying to remember how old I was when my grandmother was going through, probably probably a 14 through 16 somewhere in there but but i had to come to this i had to come to that realization myself after she came home from a surgery and was just never mine, not the same person mine i came uh i came into the room during christmas we always had christmas at her house and i uh i came into the room during christmas when everybody was sitting around you know getting we had there were some smaller kids at that point. And, uh, so the smaller kids were all sitting around opening their presents and stuff. And, uh, she, uh, everybody was talking and doing their thing. And I walked into the room and she stopped and she looked up at me from the couch and grabbed a hold of my wrist and said, well, everybody's been introduced. Who are you? And I was like, Oh fuck. Like imagine being, you know, 14, 15 years old. And that's the person you've kind of been, attached to since you were a little kid and they don't recognize you like that was uh that was rough that was a hard one to take i was real fortunate with with my dad's alzheimer's as fortunate as you can be that um so it it took 10 years to slowly kill him but um so we got another decade with him which is insane especially like so for early diagnosis that was great but um he it was probably three or four years in that he really started to consistently get more nonverbal mm-hmm. and really like I don't know if he ever didn't recognize us like you could always for the most part see that light eventually go on mm-hmm. but yeah three or four years in was when it really started to slip and with him it was a little hard we might not have caught it for another year because he um his bipolar disorder had always made him, during like manic episodes, had always sometimes made him a little bit dysfunctional. So like it took us a while to catch it even. Yeah. That something is not right even by his standards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Not fun. I'm glad, I'm not glad each of us can empathize with this, but I'm, I'm grateful, Daniel, that you gave us the content warning before the two of us. Yeah, well, yeah, that that was I didn't even know about your your grandma, Lizzie, or if I did, I'd forgotten about it. But I specifically was concerned about you. I knew also knew you were planning on what doing your notes and stuff middle of your work day. And so I (laughs) I was like, I don't want this to ruin the rest of your day and make you, you know, worthless at work. Uh, So I was like, maybe, you know. I was I was shocked. This episode, while beautifully done, did not hit me as hard as I thought it would. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, it's. I think it it could have. I certainly could see how it the potential was there for it to do that. Um, and while this is kind of a heavy aspect of this episode, it ultimately ends up kind of taking a backseat to the emotional development between Mark and his dad. Like the fo- exactly. the focus shifts so dramatically, especially in the second half of the episode to Mark and his dad that you kind of almost put this on the back burner and you don't really focus on it nearly as much. So, uh, yeah, it's not too heavy handed and you don't feel oversaturated with it for sure. Yeah. So who plays Dr. Hemmings? Yeah. Dr. Hemmings here is played by actress, Jessica Tuck, who appeared in stuff like the movie super eight, the series, uh, she had recurring roles on TV series True Blood, Judging Amy, and Grimm, and she had a, she has 137 credits and counting to her name, still acting uh, active today. Thank you, because I've watched True Blood and I've watched Judging Amy, and Lizzie, isn't she Eric's really? Isn't she Pam in True Blood? Maybe I don't recognize. I, I don't know. I don't remember what she looks like. I've never watched True Blood. Because then you're gonna go, oh my god, yes. Because I was trying to place her. I recognized the Judging Amy sister, but I couldn't recognize her. um, It for the True Blood thing, and it was driving me nuts. But yeah, you'd never. I never told you about my grandma. Like I said, if you did, I didn't. 
internalize it or I didn't remember in the moment. Like I said, when I, when I saw that, when I watched the episode the other day and I uh, saw what one of the like main themes was, I was like parental dementia and the fallout of that. I was like, this is going to be Lauren's. I'm wrong. She wasn't Pam. She was Nan Flanagan. The one that was, would do all the, um, the press conferences on behalf of the vampires. My bad. So she wasn't, she was another attractive blonde on True Blood, just a different one. (laughs) But yeah, in a future episode of The Lounge, I'd be happy to talk about, recount some experiences, if you'd like. Patreon.com slash saying the tone podcast. I think that might be one of those things that would be kind of cathartic for everybody. We'll just just make ourselves sad for an hour. We'll just get all of our trauma out of the way in one hour. (laughs) One hour at a time. Uh, probably could, could probably could fill up more than an hour. So we can also share the good stories too. Yeah, doesn't have to all be bad. So we go from there back to the uh, little, I guess, ICU. It's not an ICU, but it's like the, the admitted the ER. Yeah, no, she's no longer in the ER. They've moved her out of that. But um, in any event, Mark comes out of his mother's room, and Doctor Sayers, the neurologist, is uh, at the little like nurses station in the middle of the floor. And he goes up to apologize to him for being so aggressive earlier. And, uh, you know, Dr. Sayers, to his credit, says, you know, I get it. It's your mom. You know, if, if anybody's going to bring that out in somebody, it'll be dealing with a parent. And then they have this very, like, they kind of brush past this a, a little bit. But they they do have this very, like, eye-to-eye, seeing-eye-to-eye type conversation about what it's like to be the son of a military officer. And how, like you know, Mark kind of gets into a little bit of his trauma with it of like not following in his dad's footsteps and how he feels like that's put a lot of distance between him and his dad over the years. And then Dr. Sayers comes back with like, you know, he's like, well, you followed in your dad's footsteps. And Dr. Sayers says kind of rather tellingly, he's like, well, I wish I could tell you that it got me closer. And it's like, man, everybody here has daddy issues. Such good little moments. Yeah, it really is. Like, that's such a nothing little scene, and they really did not have to put the kind of finishing touches on it that they did. I really appreciate it. But then we go from there to what is, I think, one of the best scenes in the whole episode is back down in the ER. Uh, uh, Mark's dad is still down there, and they have to move him out of the way uh, off to the side of the room because there is a helicopter crash that has come in. And they essentially go in and do the ER trauma formula in this other hospital, which is really cool. Like, it's really cool to see them go in and do this, um, do kind of the, the the formula with a cast of characters that you don't know and don't know their names and don't know anything about them. And you're you're able to just sit, because you're not uh, coming in with any preconceived notions or, or history with any of these characters, you're able to just sit there and absorb the trauma and watch it unfold, which is really cool. Uh, and you see Mark explaining to his dad, you know, what they're seeing the doctors do. Uh, they wheel in the pilot who was injured, but not as severely as some of the other people. So he's kind of wheeled in next to Mark's dad and you see his dad soothing him and, you know, telling him he did everything that he could and blah, 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 whatever you're getting to see kind of, this is the perfect kind of car crash moment where you're getting the best parts of Mark's dad and the best parts of Mark coming together at one time and that's what's so cool so as he's talking him through this the pilot passes out loses consciousness and mark jumps in he can't like physically do any procedures because he's not licensed to practice in the state but he can talk an intern through it so Mm -hmm. they stick him with an intern or a medical student or whoever i can't remember who it is they they, said intern yeah yeah, so they they stick uh mark with somebody and mark just kind of guides them through it and then you get to see as we, we get to see all of that through Mark's dad's eyes and you're, right. he's seeing what Mark does for the first time and really appreciating what it is Mark does. And it's just really, really cool. Like I, I this might be my favorite barring the final scene. This might be my favorite scene in the whole episode. Yeah. I will say it did completely throw me off though, that they're not actually treating these patients in trauma rooms. Yeah. Um, that's a little weird that they just have four patients out in the middle of this lobby that they're treating. That yeah. Was they seem their ER seems to consist of one room. Like, I don't, yep. I don't know that it's a, a I, I, they never, you know, say like how big this hospital is, but they do say it's one of the best in the country. So I find it right. hard to believe the guy I've been in ERs at military installations. They look like ERs at every other hospital in the world. Right. They're generally not one room. <laughs> so, right. Limited set 
Yeah, they're they're making the best with with what they got here, and it does sort of add to the like tension and the drama a little bit. But you're right, it does sort of it throws you off just a bit. And after all that craziness, uh, Ruth is home. So let's listen to see how that goes. Oh, home sweet home. Oh, you guys were so fast. Yeah, you guys aren't even ready. Oh, look at the azaleas. They never look so good. I picked off all the dead ones. That's oh, the way you like them. Right? I'm up there. I know. Oh, I'll have it's it so down. good to be back, I'm telling you. Oh, thank you. I wonder you took a spill. Well, I had to start cleaning things up. I don't even know half the stuff that's in there. Oh, look, was oh this yours? God, Mr. Funny Bear. You sure love the fur off this thing. Oh, and what is this? Oh, no, not that fiasco. You remember, you saw it in the PX and you begged and begged me for it. We hung it from the ceiling in his bedroom. It was Dave's first tour of Vietnam. It was his first tour, wasn't it? I don't remember. It must have been. Your father took you out to the airfield and put you in the cockpit before he left. You looked at this thing hanging from the ceiling every night. Until he got home and laughed his head off. <laughs> We'd gotten the wrong damn place. That's a phantom. Dad flew A6s. What the hell is that doing in your bedroom? <laughs> he wasn't angry with you. He tore it down. No, you tore it down. Did you remember you got a spanking for standing yeah. on your dresser? That was the one that he bought to replace it. I tore that one down. Well, somebody tore something down. I don't... Anyway, I'm hungry! Oh, um... Look, I'm really sorry about dinner. I'm just, I wasn't used to your oven, so let me make you something You know, eat. every woman's not cut out for the kitchen. My generation, we all had to be natural-born wives and mothers. Doesn't sound so bad. Oh, I think he's back. You know, sex isn't enough to hold a family together. I know that. God knows Dave and I always got the sex part right. Can't count on that, if you are counting no, on No, we're not counting on anything, Mom. This is a little inappropriate. We're not counting on anything? See? She's counting on. I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about sex. And whether sex means anything more than sex. Okay, leave me out of that conversation. Why would you want to talk about that? I know why. You don't have to say. I hope pizza's okay. The sandwich place was closed. I'm not hungry. <laughs> I also want to... Okay, aside from... <laughs> I also want to start with the fact that Cynthia says, Welcome home, I made dinner. And then, like, three minutes later, she's like, I couldn't work your oven. And the dad's showing up with pizza. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly uh, married with all the the chaos that is the rest of what's happening in this house. Like, okay, like, okay. I want to say right off the top, the Please. Bonnie Bartlett playing the mother here is doing an amazing job with kind of just that, like, um, like you said, almost manic sort of just stream of consciousness talking and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so she, while the whole thing of her talking about her and her husband's sex life is uh it still manages to be pretty like funny like she plays it off like really well and like i i like that part of it in spite of its inherent ugginess. <laughs> but i don't know this is this is good if a little upsetting yeah agreed uh so then cynthia and mark have to uh, reckon with their sins, and they have a walk by the ocean, and <laughs> uh, they both realize the relationship is over. And Mark apologizes for leading Cynthia on, and he does this—he does kind of like the really like, eh, sorry, I should have told you sooner. I really care about you. And Cynthia's like, no, I've heard this before. This might be new to you, but it's not new to me. It's like maybe, maybe if it keeps happening, examine yourself. Yeah, this. Uh... His apology sucks, but like yeah, it's it's not great. Bit. It's it's not great all around, but, but <laughs> like good good. They're finally communicating. Right. It just took her traveling unannounced to San Diego to get him to communicate properly. Like, yeah. Yikes! This would be a lot more of a convenient conversation to have if you were I don't know in your apartment maybe in Chicago and she could leave. Yeah. Um, but then from there we transition over to Mark kind of helping with some nursing duties. Uh, Ruth is sitting on her little portable toilet and then Mark very, you know, kindly asks, like, hey, are you done? And helps her. And she's like, you don't have to dump that. It's fine. The nurse will be here later. And he's like, but I'm here to do it now. Like, let me help you. And they just have a very sweet moment of him taking care of her. And um, Mark, while this is going on, Mark asks her about the chance that dad had to make Admiral. He's like, yeah, but I don't really remember the story. Like, He's like, yeah, I remember it happened, like, try kind of manipulating her into telling him this. And it turns out that there was a kid that had been beat, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Daniel, but this was how I understood the story, mm -hmm. that um, 
there had been a kid in like sixth grade that had been just beating the shit out of Mark and making his life a living hell. And she had written so many letters to convince, like not outrightly saying you need to come home, Mm -hmm. but like just, just writing him enough that he finally felt that family obligation. And he came back because Mark was getting beaten up and he missed out on his chance for the Admiralty and took a desk job instead. Yeah, more or less. And then another line that's really, really good. I, we didn't want to grab another audio clip for this one because it's already such a listening party. But as she's talking about this and as she's talking about, you know, his relationship with his father and their family structure and everything, she goes on to say, you and your father are responsible for your own feelings. But I know I started it. I blamed him. I blamed you. I didn't want a baby. It was too soon. We'd only dated a couple of times. Of course, when I saw you, I loved you and I tried to make up for it, but I'd already spoiled everything between you and your father, but things just kept going wrong no matter how much I loved you both. So there's a lot there. Right? How can you condense 30 years of trauma into one sentence? <laughs> like She just did. Beautifully. Yeah, she did. She, she nailed it. <sighs> it's so beautiful. It's so something that would be a revelation that A, came from 30 years of guilt, and B, comes from, you know four months of solid therapy discussing and unpacking this like she might not have a solution for it yet and it's unlikely she will now with this with these micro traumas going on for her brain but like you can tell she had started to really do the legwork and who knows how long she was actually going and talking about this Mm. and you just the look on mark's face too is which that's one thing we haven't really touched on too much too is that they've been they've they've kind of made this habit throughout the episode like i think back to particularly when they did the neurological exam and they were trying to have her recall the uh the three items the way that scene is shot mark is sitting so we see kind of a two shot of the doctor and mark's mother in the foreground and then in the background you see mark sitting alone and they do a lot of cutting back and forth to mark's face throughout all of that and not only cutting back and forth you know like doing tight shots on his face and going back to the two shot but they also do a lot of bringing mark's face in and out of focus and you see kind of the internal uh processing of all this on written across mark's face of like him coming to terms with where she's at currently and all this stuff and you're seeing it here too where he's he's like learning some of these revelations for the first time, i.e. that, you know, his mother, he was essentially an unwanted pregnancy and that how fucked up is that too? That like we dated a couple of times, like it doesn't even say like we were married for, you know, a couple months or we, you know, we're like that they just basically, it was a shot. It was implied. It's a shotgun. Wedding yeah. She got knocked up. Like, Oh man, like that's so much for him to try to process on top of everything else he's trying to process. Like this is a right. rough weekend for Mark just kind of emotionally. Uh, but then after that, uh, it's a little bit later, Mark's sleeping and there's a loud thud and a crash and Ruth is screaming for David, but uh, she wasn't in bed. She was in the kitchen using her Walker and there's a fire on the stove. She was just like, I thought a little broth would be nice. And she has soiled herself as well. Unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, this is a familiar scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we go from there uh, as Mark goes outside. I forget why he goes outside. Is it cigarette? I yeah. think. I think he had no. He had he had dumped the water on the pot that was that was uh, ruined, and so he was throwing the rag gotcha. out outside. I think. Yeah. So Mark goes outside, and as he's out there, he uh, sees through their bedroom window and sees his dad actually trying to take care of her and comfort her and everything. It's a very sweet moment. Uh, that not only we as the audience don't expect to see, but I'm sure Mark as a character would never expect to see because his dad is the most cold, emotionless man on planet Earth up to this point. So, so good. Like, my heart exploded at this point when they do the little forehead touch and then he sits next to her and holds her. I was like, I can't handle this. This was where I almost lost it. Yeah, like, it is a very sweet moment, unexpectedly sweet. Uh, really kind of brings this between this moment here and the the moment that follows this really brings Mark's dad full circle just within one episode like we've really only dug it I mean yes we got a little touch of him in fathers and sons uh, a few episodes ago but like really the the bulk of his story has been told it just within the last 45 minutes and that's impressive uh, and this does mark the final appearance of Mark's mother. Uh, this shot through the window. We don't we don't see Mark's mother again after this. We hardly knew ye. 
Um, but then let's wrap up this episode with another audio clip. It's a little bit of a chonker again. Sorry about that. But uh, Mark is taking his dad out for a surprise. With a non-injury accident in the right-hand lane. And traffic is extremely slow on the Bay Bridge today with the USS Long Beach home ported at North Island. Traffic is also slow. Is that going to hold us up? We're not going on the Bay Bridge. I heard you tell the nurse we wouldn't be back for lunch. That's right. No more clues. You used to bring me down here. Used to be something to see. Every one of those docks used to be full. No thanks. I stopped. You what? Gave them up for your mother. Since when? Since the hospital. Have you seen me take a cigarette? You smoked two packs a day for 50 years. You must be going through some heavy-duty withdrawals. Uh-huh. We saw the Kitty Hawk here, remember? Yeah, it scared me. It's huge. Remember that flight deck? It was like, uh, it was like standing at the edge of the earth. Most hazardous work site there is. What was it like working on a carrier? Hard. How many aircraft would you launch in a day? Well, up to 140 in a 12-hour shift. Launchings, 20 seconds apart. Landings every 40 seconds. We worked all kind of weather, day and night. Sounds intense. Best time was first thing in the morning before they started the engines. I'd come up on the, the bridge, watch the sunrise over the flight deck and the canopies. Ocean rolling as far as you could see. Admiral wasn't up yet, complaining of the jet fuel in his water. Deck crew would be out working on the catapults and their resting gear. Ordnance guys loading up. You knew in a minute the engines would start and lives would be at stake for every minute of the next 12 hours. Sound familiar? Sort of. I'm proud of what you do, son. I'm proud of you. Thanks for helping me get there. Your mother's gonna be worried. She'll get back. Before we dig into the content of this, mm. I just wanna say 10 out of 10 score from, yeah. from Martin. Martin. Martin fucking mm -hmm. nailed it. There's so much in that three minutes like there's mm -hmm. the talk about painting a picture with words with sound like the, the score adds so much to it without overpowering mm -hmm. the, the the spoken word john cullum's performance there with that monologue is I incredible and just like the way that the words kind of they kind of float in front of the music and then also it, it brings it home, brings it full circle and brings it home at the end where it comes around to him telling Mark that he understands where, you know, he comes from and, and it, they, they've come to such this greater understanding of each other over the last several days. And I, I just, it's perfect. Like it's a, it's a, it's it's so a perfect yeah. three minutes of television right there. Like that is a yeah. clip out that three minutes there and show that in every beginning writer like television writing class really every aspect like tell from a writing perspective from a, a scoring perspective cinematography because we haven't really touched on that either the, the setting and everything where they're walking on that empty uh pier like yeah the empty shipyards in the background yeah i mean every aspect of it is to a t perfection we have to add this to our martin reel no yeah, yeah. underrate like this is not one that i thought of immediately as something that would be like an all-time great moment no because this is such an odd one-off of an episode so why would we have ever thought to write him and be like what about this one yeah yeah 
So I, I would argue that the whole thing makes this probably my favorite individual scene of the show so far. Yeah, no, I, that's... I and that's not at all hyperbolic like that that is that makes total perfect sense like i and i think for my money i think this episode as a whole is the most narratively dense episode we have had bar none like i don't think any episode has done more heavy lifting of character development and interpersonal development between characters than this one like and it takes place it's no longer no no bigger no more grandiose than any other episode that we've talked about uh this is episode 83 so any of the other 82 episodes we've talked about so far um it's no different than those other than the fact that it doesn't take place in the er but it still manages to do so much i think the big reason it gets forgotten a lot is because it's not mark is the only central character it's dealing with and I think that's why a lot of people would write this off and be like, yeah, but it's just Mark with his family. Yeah. Like, it's still a beautiful and powerful episode. But, like, when a lot of people think about big episodes, mm-hmm. they're thinking about ones that are going to tie the staff together. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I still think it's a powerhouse. But I just think that's why it might get overlooked. And I think you also have to remember, too, that, like, obviously, you know, this may be the end of the time for Mark's mom on screen, but it is far from the end of Mark's dad times on yes. screen. So, like, when you're thinking of, like, in season six, remembering this moment, remembering this conversation and this sort of bond that starts to form between, really starts to forge here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they carry that thread very well. Mm -hmm. Like, in season six is one of my favorite storylines is Mark and his dad and his dad coming to live with him. Yeah, I I think it's a testament to their faith in the audience to remember things you know because remember we're in still in 1998 here we're still very much in a week-to-week world and the show hasn't even been on long enough yet to be syndicated so outside yeah. of watching week to week and a, and maybe catching a repeat here and there on an off week there really isn't an opportunity to go back and re-watch things and relive storylines and and go back and remember things there would have there's so much uh immediate and we talked about this a little bit in father and sons but there's so much immediate believable chemistry and history between particularly Mark and his dad that I think there's a real temptation there, especially since, as we know, they're not really going to do anything else with Mark's mom. There could have been a real temptation here to kill her off very quickly and get Mark's dad to Chicago sooner so that we can continue this and continue to draw from it and continue to dig into it. And the reality is, is that they sat on this for almost two years. Like they didn't do anything really else much with this storyline for two full years and then they bring mark's dad back and that it's that much better because of it that they trust the audience to remember all of this and still have the same response and draw from it it's just uh this i I love this episode so are we giving this one eights nines i'd say i'd say nine or ten I mean, yeah. it's a nine from me. Yeah. I can't think of anything really that would, aside from, aha, uh-huh, we like, we hate Cynthia, but even she plays a good role in this particular episode for like her, her obtrusiveness mm-hmm. adds to the, the, um, the tension of the episode. So I think even though like, we're like, oh, we can't wait for Cynthia to be gone. I think her showing up unannounced plays a really good point. Yeah. And she does provide a little bit of a modern parallel too because you know even though it's not exactly the same situation but like mark has a kid and is trying to put a family together she also has a son which we've learned that he we've learned that he exists but not much else um by this point so it kind of provides a little bit of a modern parallel from mark's parents story their origin how they were sort of forced in or you know that their hand was forced by this unexpected pregnancy and then they got married and then they've sort of just learned to live with each other over the years but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy just because they've learned to coexist doesn't necessarily mean that they're inherently happy and so mark's kind of in a similar position here with cynthia where like yeah things are good we can coexist well enough but are we really happy? And is this really a, a, the best thing long term for the both sides? And uh, so it kind of she does actually serve a little bit of a purpose here for right. for a change. She serves a little bit of a purpose. I feel so bad that we've just shit on Cynthia for her entire run. But that's exactly the character's purpose. Yeah. Like she's she's played wonderfully. Yeah. It's not Mariska Hargitay's fault like, at all. But I just I just want to say that again. Like we, we joke about how much we hate Cynthia. But like. Mariska Hargitay has done such a good job mm-hmm. 
with with this character and with exactly what she's written for. Yeah, yeah. she turns but, up the cringe exactly as much as she yeah, needs. She to. doesn't. She doesn't ever overplay mm-hmm. it. Like she is a completely believable, awkward human being. Yeah. And I would also like to say another aspect of this one that I especially love is a lot of. Like we like we were saying for that last scene, a lot of the cinematography. Just mm-hmm. because I love it when the ER go when ER goes on a field trip. <laughs> yep, I love a good field trip episode when we're not when we're not actually in the ER. I feel like it's it's sort of like a bottle episode and mm-hmm. like in that it allows you to get much more intimate with the characters because yep. mm-hmm. you don't have the medicine distracting. Yeah, you. and the the color the color yeah. palette changes. Like you're so yeah. you're so used to seeing those muted sort of like the the green the sort of sickly green color. And the sterile, you know, white grays of the ER itself that whenever they go out of the ER, it immediately perks you up and you're like, ooh, look, there's something different to look yeah. at. And it's just really nice, like, especially like with that scene between Mark and Cynthia where they before they break it off, they're walking down a that they're walking, pier is yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, they're walking along a pier next to the Pacific Ocean, and it's just it's it, it enriches the story content because it makes it fe- makes the world feel like some, it makes it feel like these characters are actually in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, which this show occasionally needs yep. to breathe and it needs to be like, okay, it's not just the, the four walls of County general. It's these people have lives. These people have stories. These people have history, especially it, the, it's not as much, it's not as much fun as fathers and sons was as an episode. Yeah. But I think it's every bit as important, and I think it's every bit, I think it's even more so, like I was saying earlier, I think it's even more so um, narratively dense and doing a lot of the heavy lifting of Mark's story. Like, you know, like Lauren was saying, it doesn't branch out, obviously, into all of the other characters and all of the other, but in terms of Mark's story, this is doing probably more heavy-duty storytelling than certainly any episode we've had so far and maybe any episode of the whole series remains to be seen. But this one's only a 9 out of 10 for me because Cynthia's too much of a creep <laughs> for me to be co- fully comfortable re-watching it constantly like some of the other 10 out of 10 episodes that we come across. But, like, is that next week? Is? Next week is going to be next, next week is going to be an all-time great one. And I yeah, think... Next week's a 10 out of 10. I think that is why also, like what Lauren was saying earlier, I think that is also why this one gets a little bit lost in the shuffle is because it immediately gets overshadowed by one of the best episodes of all time next week. So... Yeah. We're hitting peak season four here, folks. Do we finally like season four? I've liked it. I've liked it the whole time. I just it's I haven't We're hitting the stride. We're definitely hitting the stride. I can't I can't shrug enough about season four so far. It's like I've mentioned, it's it's aggressively acceptable. The 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 thing I'm most excited about, like always when we get to this point in the season, is I'm excited to get to the wrap up where we can talk about the season as a whole and talk about the larger trends and how this because I yeah. do think that the first third to half of season four is a lot of transitional stuff. It's a lot of more world building. And it's a lot, it, frankly, it's a feat of world building that they're able to incorporate as many parts as they are and not drop. They really only drop one plate in that. And that would be Delamico. Delamico is the only plate that gets dropped in that in that spot. Doyle. Yeah, yeah, Doyle's but I would ar- I would Doyle's. argue that Doyle was never really a plate to be. She was a saucer, like but she was. A- <laughs> still, she's just she- fucking. I don't know where she is. No, yeah, I fully agree. She has completely fallen off the face of the earth this season, and that's a shame. But I just don't think that she rises to the level of a plate. She <laughs> she know? doesn't. But I'm just saying, like she's definitely just been. She really she so has. Far. But yeah. we will get into all that on the rep. What did the listeners have to say about this one? The listeners had a lot to say about this one, and I'm going to try not to mess it up for any of you because you all shared some really great insights. So first off, we have Charles A. says, Great follow-up to all of the tensions highlighted in Fathers and Sons, especially between Mark and his dad. Also, thank God him and Cynthia are done, although it should have never gotten to the point where Cynthia thought it would be okay to follow Mark to San Diego without him knowing. Good yep. point. Um. Michelle A. says, I thought this was a very good episode. Lots of exclamation points. I especially like the scenes between Mark and his dad. More exclamation points. Can Cynthia be any more stalker-like? She was in the wrong for flying to California without Mark knowing. It was a private family moment that Cynthia had no business being a part of. I'm glad we all agree on that. (laughs) Um, Franner W. says, Oh, this episode. Cynthia turning up the stalker to 11. Mark's face when disinhibited Ruth drops all the truth bombs. David's hand on Mark's shoulder at the end. Crying emoji. Do you guys know how hard it is to translate this stuff into reading? I just need you to know that. Like, I'm, I try and perform it for you, but just know. Um, 
Franner goes on to say, I love that it lays foundations for future episodes in the story arc of David coming to Chicago and their improved relationship towards the end of David's life. And Mary L. says, To watch a parent with dementia is heartbreaking. I see it every day. My mom is not the woman I remember. Ruth, played by the amazing Bonnie Bartlett, loses her filter. Funny, the character she played on St. Elsewhere also put up a lot with her hubby, the stuffy Dr. Mark Craig, played to perfection by Mrs. Bartlett's real-life hubby, William Holy Daniels. shit, that blows my mind. I did not know that Mr. Feeney was married to Mark's mom in real life. That's amazing. I ship it. I'm here for that. That's that's some wholesome content right there. Also, it's really weird to think of William Daniels being married to anybody just because it's Feeney. Right. I mean, they, they gave Feeney a, a girlfriend, uh, at least, at the end of Boy Meets World. Although, I will say... He is also exceptional in Grey's Anatomy. I'll take your word for it. The four episodes he's in. Yeah, no, he was good. He was, he was, I liked him. Yeah. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can, get a, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over a dozen hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives in the world that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? I got nothing clever, but folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. She can, you can find her talking about new apartment stuff. Lauren and I are moving, so. The urge to nest is strong with this one. Yeah. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. New episodes of that, are, of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.